from Triple E Media. I'm Ramat Mohammed, and this is The Backstory. Hi, everyone. This is the second part of our analysis on campaign financing in Nigeria. In this episode, Miriam and I take a closer look at our electoral act, the one that was just passed earlier this year. And when we compared it to the electoral act of 2002, we noticed certain changes that have implications for how political campaigns are financed in Nigeria. If after listening to this episode, you have insights that you'd like to share, please reach out to us. We want to keep this conversation going. Our contact information is in our episode notes. Thank you and enjoy today's episode. Politicians and political parties, they need money to fund campaigns. They need money to run information campaigns through radios, television, and now social media. In order to reach you, the potential voter, and hopefully get you to vote for them, They need money to run influence campaigns that will move your sentiments, your feelings in their favor. So they may do things like sponsor buses to mobilize you and your community members to the polling unit on election day. They may travel the stage or the country along with their massive campaign teams in order to meet as many of you as possible to show you that they care. And of course, they don't come to meet you empty handed. In a democracy, the candidate with the majority vote wins. So the more of you out there that they have to try to convince, the more money that they need to spend. And if they need to spend more money, then they have to raise more funds. After a political party campaigns and wins, by the time they get into office, they are virtually broke. In the process of getting you to vote for them, they deplete their funds. So then they have to use the power of their new political office to recoup those funds and if need be to repay any debt they incurred along the way. This obviously opens the door for corruption because they may be tempted to do things that go against the public's interests, your interests, just to pay back or recover the money they spent on getting you to vote for them. Corrupt practices like giving out contracts for kickbacks also allows them to raise money to fund their next campaign and the cycle keeps going. If you really think about it, corruption doesn't start when our politicians get into office. It starts as soon as they declare their intention to run and they begin their campaign. Regulating how politicians and political parties raise funds and how they spend those funds is important because if you leave it up to the politician and political parties, anything goes. They know they need money in order to win and they're likely to take money from anyone. In some cases, they may even openly engage in criminal enterprises just to fund campaigns. Take the case of Somalia and specifically the autonomous Puntland region. It's an open secret that in the year 2008, money raised through piracy helped pave the way for Mohamed Farrell to become the president of Puntland in 2009. And those that helped protect the piracy business were compensated with significant government appointments after the election. Politicians and political parties, if left up to their own devices, 
will use whatever means necessary, including criminal activity like piracy, kidnapping, and the illegal drug trade to raise funds to win elections. Governments all over the world, including our own in Nigeria, have long recognized this issue. And that's why countries have established and implemented laws and rules to try to regulate campaign financing, which is how parties raise funds and campaign expenditure, which is how parties spend funds. Now, in order to successfully regulate social behavior, you need three things. You need culture, laws, and systems. Let's start with our laws. Laws that actually want to regulate campaign financing should define and limit five factors. Number one, the sources of the funds should be defined and limited. Number two, the recipients of the funds. Three, the amounts contributed. Four, the frequency of contributions should also be defined and limited. And five, the method and timeline for disclosing this information to the public. The Electoral Act is a legally binding document that governs elections in Nigeria. It governs all elections, including presidential, gubernatorial, national assembly, and local government. But for the purpose of this episode, we'll focus on the presidential election. When we analyzed how certain clauses in the Electoral Act have been changed since 2002, we noticed that our Electoral Act has been diluted, watered down over the years. Our legislators appear to be introducing more and more gray areas into every new version of the Act. These gray areas seem to help cover up information about source of funds, recipients of funds, amounts contributed, frequency of contributions, and requirements to disclose information. For our analysis, we focused on the sections that have to do with campaign financing. And we noticed that between 2002 and 2022, that's over a span of 20 years, our legislators have managed to separate the candidate from the political party, such that certain parts of the act may apply only to the candidate, while other parts apply to the political party. They've also managed to not include certain specific timelines that would hold them accountable to completing and disclosing audits within a reasonable time frame. And most troubling of all to us, they managed to introduce certain clauses that would allow them to receive certain funds without documenting where the contributions come from. Let's take a look at how they have separated the candidate from the political party. If you take a look at the Electoral Act of 2002, that version specifically places election-related spending limits on the entire political party, not just the candidate. Section 84 of the 2002 Act states, election expenses incurred by a political party for the management of the conduct of an election shall not exceed, and then it goes on to indicate the spending limit. The recently passed Act of 2022 says the maximum election expenses to be incurred by a candidate at a presidential election shall not exceed 5 billion naira. That limit is on the candidate rather than the overall political party. This change from political party to candidate was actually made back in the 2006 Electoral Act and it's been retained in the 2022 Act. We reached out to Kolawale Oluwadere of Socioeconomic Rights and Accountability Project, that's SEREP, to help understand the implications of this particular change. In the context of the Electoral Act, um, political parties 
is would take priority over individuals for the administration of INEC, which is why you see again the powers of INEC is to register political parties, to regulate them, and to take to do other functions that affect the political parties, which is why Section 84 of the Electoral 2022, for instance, is very clear that it is political parties that present candidates for elections. The, this distinction, at best, to me, may be academic, particularly in practical terms. We know that presently we do not have such a strong legal framework for individual independent candidates. So it means that every candidate that wants to get in the public office has to come on a platform of a political party. And that naturally means that though it is individuals that ultimately occupy public offices, they are on the platform of political parties. People are voting, people are supposed to vote for political parties. Uh, so I, I would think that that distinction while in the wordings of the world uh, made you make such a difference, I doubt him in practical terms, at least within the context of election petitions and whatever would transpire in court as electoral issues, I think it may, it may just be academic. If there is no legal difference between political party and candidate, then why make that change? And why did the legislators selectively use candidate in certain sections of the 2022 Act but in other sections, they use political party. There are other sections where they seem to have deliberately separated the candidate from the political party. Section 90, subsection 3 of the 2022 Electoral Act says that a political party shall not accept any monetary or other contribution, which is more than 50 million naira, unless it can identify the source of the money or other contribution to the commission. But then, Section 88, subsection 8 of the same act says, no individual or other entity shall donate to a candidate more than 50 million naira. These two sections both put a limit on contributions of 50 million naira. But again, we ask, why separate the candidate from the political party? Does this mean that if you have 100 million naira that is just sitting around doing nothing, you can take 50 million and give it to the candidate directly and then take the other 50 million and give it to the party? The question we're asking may appear academic, but if you look very closely at these two sections, they have implications that could significantly impact the integrity of campaign financing and eventually how politicians behave once they get into office. Section 90, subsection 3, requires political parties to disclose to INEC the source of funds if they receive more than 50 million naira from that source. But Section 88, subsection 3, does not require a candidate to disclose to INEC if they receive 50 million naira. If the argument is that the candidate and the political party are one and the same, then why have two separate clauses? In contrast, the 2002 Electoral Act was plain and simple. In the 2002 Act, contributions were made to a political party, not a candidate. And the responsibility for tracking and maintaining the records of every single contribution, even as small as one cobble, was on the political party. We'll call your attention to another section that seems to address the political party rather than the candidate. Section 85 of the 2022 Act prohibits a political party from holding or possessing any funds outside of Nigeria, and the political party cannot accept any funds or assets remitted to it from outside Nigeria. 
Notice that this section specifically states the political party, not the candidate. So can Atiku or Obi or Tinubu as candidates receive funds or assets for the purpose of their candidacy? In addition to separating the candidate from the political party, the electoral acts that came after 2002 seem to be adding certain language that allows the parties to get away with not keeping complete records of campaign contributions. The 2002 Electoral Act clearly states, every political party shall maintain a record of all contributors and the amounts contributed. There are no exceptions. This means that even if it's just one COBOL contribution that they get, they must record information about the amount and the contributor. By the time we got the 2022 Electoral Act, we have these sections. Section 90, subsection 2 of the 2022 Act requires a political party to record A, all monetary and other forms of contributions received by the party, and B, the name and address of any person or entity that contributes any money or assets which exceeds 1 million naira. So let's say you have one million naira sitting around collecting dust and you want to contribute it to a political party. They must document that they received one million naira. That's what subsection A says. But because the amount does not exceed one million, subsection B says they don't have to document your name or your address. But if you give them one million and one naira, that amount exceeds one million. So now they must document your name and address. This particular section in the act was actually added back in the 2010 Electoral Act. Now in 2005, INEC published a political party finance handbook. In chapter three of that handbook, INEC identified certain barriers to auditing political party accounts. One of the barriers that they state is the absence of proper bookkeeping and records of financial transaction. It was in 2005 that INEC raised this complaint. And by 2010, instead of passing an electoral act to correct the issue of proper bookkeeping, the act actually codified the practice of leaving out the details of anyone who contributes 1 million or less to a political party. So if INEC audits the books, they will see 1 million was received, but they won't know where it came from, which means that we, the people, will not know where it came from. Again, we asked our legal expert to help us understand the implications of the way that this section is worded. Uh, again, I do not uh, know the reason for this legislative changes in the Act, but I would want to believe that uh, the legislature had uh, something in mind before this was done. Um, the limit of one million, if I was to, and my insight is my opinion on this now, is that specifying one million as a limit in section 90 of the electoral 2022, while it appears to be definitive as against previous ones, really do not, I doubt if that would help uh, as an accountability mechanism because people can actually give less than one million. And it can see the proceeds of crime or money laundering and all that. And so it, it ideally, if you ask me, my opinion would be uh, the, the requirement to, uh, re to have records of those who donate uh, money 
there should be all every, every donation, whether it's less than one million or more. And that also speaks to the subsect to other provisions in Section 90 also in the Electoral Act, which uh, limits the major uh, contribution to more than uh, 50 million. Uh, that appears to be a, 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 a can this to be a good thing. But again, why not less? Uh, why 50 million? Possibly. I think the legislature will be in a better position to take on these uh, questions, which is why Nigerians must be able to, to engage INEC and even the legislature uh, as to why these provisions are there. Because really, these issues will come up in court one way or the other, particularly uh, in the election uh, election uh, petition uh, tribunals. Let's move on to the issue of timelines for disclosing information. Our 2022 Electoral Act establishes timelines for which information about campaign financing and campaign expenditures should be made available to both INEC and to the public. Section 90, subsection 4, it states that political parties shall submit to INEC a report of the contributions made by individuals and entities within three months after the results of an election have been announced. Section 86 empowers INEC to examine the records and within 30 days of receiving the results of the examination, they must publish a report in two national newspapers and their website. But there's a problem with the timeline. The act does not limit how long INEX examination should take. So let's say a political party goes ahead and actually submits their records on campaign contributions within three months to INEC per the law. In such a case, the party has done the needful, but INEC, INEC could take another three months, six months, one year, two years, however long it takes in order to examine the records. It's only after the results are ready that they have a deadline of 30 days to publish the report. As of May of this year, 2022, INEC is still examining political party financial records from 2017 and 2018. Uh, the the functions and the duties of INEC as listed in paragraph F, that is the third schedule part one of the constitution, is very clear. It includes not only to register political parties, but to monitor, that's the, I'm using the exact words of the constitution, to monitor the organization and operations of political parties, including their finances, conventions, party primaries, and all that. And it also includes the annual examination and auditing of the funds of the political parties. So whether it is removed from the electorate or not, the provision of that constitution still stands. So we can say that as of today, there is an imperative for INEC to audit the accounts of political parties and that the political parties themselves must submit um, their finances and other required details to INEC. The, the absence of a time frame does not help our democratic process and it cannot be in themselves for democracy. And it will be very important to be able to interrogate the legislature as to the reasons for this omission. I hope it is an omission made in error. And it's not intentional because if it's intentional, it undermines the essence of transparency and accountability and from the rights from the political party levels. And that only makes the case of impunity that we witness in Nigeria very worse. By leaving certain timelines undefined, the Electoral Act is essentially compromising the fifth factor that could help us regulate campaign financing, which is the timeline for disclosing the information to the public. If a political party knows that the public will have access to information about how they raise their funds, 
and how they spend their funds during their tenure in power, they're more likely to be careful about how they raise and spend funds. But as the Electoral Act stands today, it is designed to carefully cover up the source of funds, the recipients of the funds, the amount contributed, and the timeline for when information should be disclosed to the public. There's one more major loophole in the Electoral Act that puts our electoral process at risk. The Act does not define the frequency of contributions. For example, Section 88, Subsection 8 of the 2022 Act says, no individual or other entity shall donate to a candidate more than 50 million naira. Okay, over what time period? Forever? Over a four-year period? During that election year? For the calendar year? Per day? What is the frequency? Now, there is no denying that our legislators are smart people. And there's a reason why over the years they have separated candidates from political party. There's a reason why they started adding thresholds to limit having to document every contribution that they receive. There's a reason why certain timelines are left undefined. Laws are often impacted by and even driven by the culture around us. When we examined the 2002 Electoral Act and compared it to the one in 2022, it was obvious that over the past 20 years, the candidate as a person has taken on more of a prominent role separate from the political party. In Nigeria, and ever since our return to democracy in 1999, we have had a culture of big men who control the political parties. That culture was not quite there yet in 2002, which is probably why the Electoral Act at that time saw both the political party and the candidate as one, and even recognized the political party to be above the candidate. But as big men grew stronger and started to wield more power over the party finances, the laws in the Electoral Act, they started to change. Candidates started to be recognized as separate from the parties. And as candidates, they were given special treatment in the form of those gray areas introduced into the Electoral Act. Between 2002 and 2022, clauses about campaign financing and disclosures, they became less absolute. We started to insert phrases that allowed us to make certain exceptions, which served the ever more powerful political candidates. We gave them some wiggle room, so to speak, because in Nigeria, we have a culture of changing the laws and rules to suit whatever we want to accomplish at that moment. Ever since returning to democracy, our politicians have discovered that they can be career politicians and that the way they can do this is by changing the Electoral Act to suit their needs. The very first need they have is to keep information away from us away from you. Now you might say, well, that's why we have institutions like INEC. They're supposed to be independent. They're supposed to provide us with information. Yes, in a fully functioning democracy, it is supposed to be the majority that rules. And institutions like INEC are supposed to listen to the majority and do the bidding of the majority. But in our version of democracy at this time, it is the big men with the big money that rule. It's their party, their rules. The rest of us are just there to eat the food. Now, it's too late to make changes to the current electoral act. The next chance we'll have 
will be in 2026. But there are things we can start to do now. The 2023 elections and the results should be completed by the end of March 2023. By the end of June, that's three months later, INEC should have received from each political party a statement of the contributions that they received and the contributors. We, the media, and you, the public, need to hold INEC accountable for getting that information. By the end of September 2023, that's six months after elections, INEC should have received from each political party an audited return of their election expenses. Again, we need to hold INEC accountable for getting that information. From July until December 2023, we need to press that the information about campaign financing and campaign expenditure for the 2023 elections is disclosed to the public. Now, we need to be prepared for all sorts of excuses. INEC may say that they are still catching up on previous years and that they must finish those years first before they can get to 2023. We cannot. We must not accept that as an answer. You must not take that as an answer. We all understand that in a democracy, citizens hold the ultimate power. And those who are either appointed or elected into public offices serve the people. Those are clear constitutional duties and obligations, and they are clear. So different citizens groups need to do this. We're having a conversation now. Civil society organizations, NGOs, citizen groups, uh, interest groups need to sustain this advocacy to ensure that INEC begins to perform its full constitutional Duties. The duties of INEC is not limited to registering political parties or conducting elections. The law is very clear as to the other things they need to do. So uh, the people that can do this, of course, citizens in very under various uh, organizations can do this. And um, organizations like SERAP have been at the forefront of taking different advocacy initiatives to ensure that INEC obeys the law in the interest of democracy, one of which is the extension of the uh, continuous water registration, among other initiatives that we're taking for INEC to obey, obey the law. So citizens can do this actually. Citizens can write letters. Citizens can go to court. This falls within the purview of what is called public interest litigation because the law says INEC should do it. And if they refuse to do it, you can go to court to compel INEC that is a public institution to do what the law says they should do. So citizens can actually take that step. But what uh, the, the situation in Nigeria appears to be that while there is little civic participation by way of accountability, there is a lot of civic participation by way of politics. So you can see leading up to 2023, people have dis displayed a common interest in candidates, in registration, and even uh, in the campaign rallies. If only we sustain and carry forward these uh, within the four-year period of the election cycle, it would be very important. That is why part of this advocacy initiative that we're talking about is that citizens must be able to step up advocacy on social media and different platforms. The same energy we've seen put into the political participation right now should be put into governance post-2023 elections. That would mean that when... Uh, whatever lessons we learn from 2020 elections and the amendment needs to be done to the 2022 electorate. It means conversations like this need to be had and then Nigerians need to be able to take up uh, each of the members in the National Assembly who represents their constituency as to why they should vote on what provisions of the electorate. INEC has the power and the resources to establish a team that can focus on 2023 while another team continues to deal with prior years. 
We did reach out to INEC for the story, but as of the time of this recording, they have not responded to our request. It is critical that campaign financing and campaign expenditure information is made available to the public every year and that information is no more than 12 months old. What's the point of telling us in the year 2024 how a political party raised funds and how they spent it back in 2018? It's important that information about political party finances is released within the tenor that the political party is in power. The only way this will happen is if we, the people, demand accountability from the political parties and from INEC. But the truth is, accountability doesn't come for free. If we want accountability, we have to pay for it. We have to start funding the political parties ourselves and displace the big men who own them. Otherwise, this will continue to be their party, their rules, and we're just the guests who show up for food and drinks every four years. The Backstory is a Triple E Media production. Production copyright 2022 Triple E Media Productions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Backstory and you would like to hear more, go to our website at 234audio.com to play the sample content. Then download our app from the Google Play Store for even more episodes. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at 234audio to watch the video for this episode. Make sure to click the notification bell, like, and leave a comment. Our episodes can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave a comment. This episode of The Backstory was produced by Ramat Mohammed, Miriam Mohammed, Dominic Tabakaji, and Sam Tabakaji. Executive Producer Ramat Mohammed. Special thanks to Palawole Oluwadare of Sarah, John Iwodi, and Lucky Usama. <laughs> <laughs>